chancy job, and it makes a man watchful and a little lonely. Come on in for an evening of poems and stories about the American West. A land of legend, of romance, of friendship and courage. A motherload of remembrance. A true showcase of the Old West with the old cowboy, J.C. Holsey. Howdy, folks. Come on in and grab you a cup of coffee and settle in for another episode of the Wild West Showdown. Can you believe that this is episode 20? You know, it seems like we just started this a few days ago. But I reckon that's what happens when you start getting older. Not that this old cowboy's counting. A little later, we're going to be visiting with author and publisher Kendall Hansen. Some folks ask me, J.C., you've got your own publishing company now, so why would you have another publisher on the show? Because we're not stingy with our airtime, we're not the only publisher out there, and I feel that new and published authors alike should know about every aspect of the book business. So yes, we invite other publishers, we invite other authors and singers and poets. We feel that everyone should be treated fairly without any jealousy. Now that that's off my chest, I want to talk about something that I've been thinking about. And let me say ahead of time that what I'm about to say is in no way trying to be disrespectful to anybody. I was told that what I'm about to say is telling you folks that I'm prejudiced. Perhaps in my younger days I might have agreed with that, but I like to think that I've grown beyond that belief that some folks are better than others. I hope and pray that I can move beyond those beliefs and treat all people with the same regard and respect that they give me. So here goes. In my blog on Outlaws Publishing, I've been talking about women of the Wild West. Okay, fellas, settle down. I can almost hear your ears perk up when I mention the word women. From the movies and TV shows that I've seen and the books that I've read, women in the Wild West were treated as second-class citizens for the most part. And in most cases, that was true. However, I personally believe back then, even as today, the world was being run by women. What I'm trying to say here is the old saying about there being a woman behind every successful man is very, very true. Maybe the women weren't at the forefront of the decisions being made, but behind closed doors, they perhaps played a big part in convincing their husbands to make the right decisions. I'm not trying to imply that women in the West didn't have a hard time, not at all, but so did the whole family. I realize there were many, many women who stepped to the forefront against all obstacles and helped shape this great nation of ours into what it is today. I applaud these women who stepped to the forefront and did so much. But it's to these unknown women, to these unmentioned women, that I give tribute to today. These are the women that I'm talking about, the ones who received no recognition for what they did to help and guide the decision makers of America. It's to these women I take my hat off and say, well done. Now, how would you like to hear some original country music? I've been asked to play another one of my songs on the show. It's been a while since I've played one, so here goes. This is the old cowboy singing Song on the Jukebox. I stopped in to hear a song on the jukebox. There she was at a table all alone. As I looked, I knew I would want her. All the time I knew that it was wrong. What a price to pay for a song on the jukebox. 
recorded that song on the Chevelle record label back in the 60s. You know, there's not a bigger thrill than being in your car driving down the highway and hearing your voice coming over that radio. Back when I signed that contract with that record label, I had high hopes of becoming a famous country and western singer. However, I was going to have to go on the road. I was going to have to leave my family behind. I was going to have to quit my job. I couldn't do that, folks. Now, let me give you wannabe singers the ones that want to go ahead. If you're willing to pay the price, then do it, and do it all the way. But listen, your family is the most important thing in your life. You should always put family first. If singing is your dream, follow that dream, but don't forget your family is the most important. Kendall Hansen began his book career in 1999 with the publication of Writing for Trade magazines. Drawing on a long-time hobby of book collecting, he subsequently launched a reprint publishing house dedicated to the preservation of hard-to-find titles on boat building, sailing, and adventure. He's a graduate of the University of New Mexico and has lived almost all his adult life in one western state or another. Currently, he lives in Kingston, Washington with his wife of 43 years and an old basset hound that allows him to share office space. We want to welcome to the Wild West Showdown today, Arthur and publisher Kendall Hansen. Welcome, Mr. Hansen. Thank you. I understand you're from North Carolina. How did you wind up in the state of Washington? Well, it's been a long, strange trip, as the Grateful Dead used to say. My father was with Western Electric, and we moved around, so I actually graduated high school in Shreveport, Louisiana. Then shortly thereafter, I lost the lottery uh, on the uh, draft, so I went in the Navy rather than get drafted. Ended up in San Diego. This girl came out to visit her brother on my ship, and uh, somehow or another, we ended up married for 44 years. Moved back to Albuquerque because she lived there. I went back to Albuquerque, went to college there. Then after college, moved to Salt Lake City, where I spent 20 years. And then, oh, after my last child graduated from high school, I moved up here to become uh, partners with my brother-in-law in in the uh, local newspaper. 
I was the editor and he was the publisher. What's the population there in Kingston? Well, let's see. Inside Kingston is about 1,800 people. But if you take this portion of the county, it's about 35,000. But Kingston, where you live, is just a small town. Is that correct? We just like to call it Port Mayberry. I noticed on your Amazon author's page you've got quite a resume. You're a former feature writer, a columnist, a magazine and newspaper editor, and a teacher. Currently, you're a writer, an editor, and a publisher of Dixon Price Publishing. How in the world do you wear so many different hats? Oh, you'd be surprised how many hats I can wear. I was also an insurance agent and a tax preparer and a bookkeeper. And <laughs> I like to learn new things, and um, I don't know. I just manage it. I've always said uh, I, don't, I don't believe in multitasking, you know, but I believe in if you're going to do something, you focus on that. When your time is up, you focus on the next thing. Can you tell us how you got involved in this publishing side of the business? I went to this one-hour class on publishing that was being held by a man named Jack Rittenhouse. Uh, and he was an early independent publisher in New Mexico. And as part of my project for this thing, I actually built my own letterpress. And I got typed for it and set it and ran a small 16-page booklet off of it. And then I was hooked. I joined CosNet shortly thereafter and did a few more of these little booklets, but uh, it was a, a real pain to make this press work because I used a rolling pin to press the uh, paper onto the type. <laughs> I see on Amazon you have nine published books right now. Is number 10 in the near future? Uh, yes. I'll be coming out with one called Hard Ride to Santa Fe. Not just on Amazon. I, I do it across the board on Barnes & Noble, iBooks, Kobo, Scribe, Skodo, Totalino, or whatever it is. I know a lot of the Western writers are using Kindle Select. I think it is a perfectly good choice. It's just I would prefer to build my writing career without depending on one outlet. That's what I'm working toward. Without giving away any of your secrets, can you tell us how you come up with your story ideas? I think to myself, what did I like when I was a kid? What do I want my grandkids to read when I'm gone? So it kind of goes from that. When I was a kid, my favorites were How Gun Will Travel and the Maverick series and Sugarfoot. I feel like I need a little humor in my books. On the other hand, one of the family friends was uh, Tony Hillerman, the late Tony Hillerman. We got to know each other quite well. He was actually my sister-in-law's godfather. One of the things he always impressed on me was try to be somewhat accurate. So one of the things I'm trying to do in my books is to come up with situations that may have actually come up. Certainly one of the things that intrigues me is the stage lines and how prevalent they were and how they continued to move out as the railroad developed. They took on the smaller and smaller runs that the railroad wouldn't go to. But also one of the things we forget about uh, I think on so much of the last freight run. So you're going to see more about stagecoaches and freighting in the future from me. Bordellos. 
you can hardly point at a town in the West that didn't have one. And from the books that I've read, I don't get the sense of outrage that you would get, say, from the turn of the century on about working women in the West. There were very few things you could do other than be a housewife or uh, an upstairs girl, as they call it. And so that has to factor into the into the mix as well, I think, if you're going to get an accurate portrayal. And my own feeling is a lot of these women probably did not like their job and probably a percentage of them did. So try to portray it that way. Do you use an outline when you write? I tried to write novels for years using an outline, and then I started reading, I guess it was back in December, I started reading uh, advice from Dean Wesley Smith, who basically is a pantser. And I know Tony Hillerman was a pantser. You know what I'm talking about, pantser? I know exactly what you're talking about. That's why I ask you that question. You know, I can't write with an outline because my characters won't let me use an outline. They take control of the story, and they take me where they want me to go. I think it's so much more exciting to let your characters take you where they want you to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when I decided to throw away the outline and sit down, I didn't have any problem finishing. It's so much easier, isn't it? It is easier. I see on Amazon that you self-published your first book in 1999, and then you didn't publish anything else until 2015. Is that correct? Uh, yes. One of the things Jack Rittenhouse and I got together on, and he got me interested in book collecting. My specific area of book collecting had to do with early adventure travel and with ship and boat building. I ended up with all these ISBNs that I couldn't use because I only had the one book out. So I thought to myself, well, I, I understand the process now. I taught myself HTML so I could build a website. I decided, well, I've got this expertise. Some of these books have been out of print forever, but they're wonderful books. They were public domain, so I just started reprinting them so that they'd be available again. How about one of your own books? When did you publish it? One of my own? Yeah, one of your own. You wrote this first book in 1999, and all these others that you published in 2015, are they all public domain books? They're my book. Have you ever thought about quitting, saying, I've had enough, I'm not going to do this anymore? No. Don't you ever get discouraged? You know, I'm going to write it, and then if people read it, that's wonderful. If they don't like it, it's okay, too. You know, I guess I've always had faith in my ability to get across what I want to get across. Aside from the books, I've probably meant, written maybe two and a half million words worth of articles. You know, at this point, it's, it doesn't bother me if people don't like me. I mean, I've gotten a few bad reviews, but generally one good review will make up for 20 bad reviews in terms of my ego. And I don't think I have a strong ego like a lot of people. So the bottom line to what you're saying is if you've got a passion to ride, you're going to ride no matter what anybody says. That's it. How does Kendall Hansen handle all of this social media stuff? Um, I was struggling with Twitter, and uh, I knew it was important. I knew it was free. That was the main thing. You know, one thing about being an independent publisher is you got to take advantage of the free advertising as much as possible. Exactly. What I look for is a way to automate what I'm doing on the marketing. I mean, this is the one lesson I've learned from starting in 1999 up until now that I think I've learned that 
thoroughly enough to know that it's worth investing some time at the front to learn how to automate uh, any of my marketing systems and, and still be able to interact. But, you know, I don't want to spend three or four hours a day doing social media. I, mean, I don't know anybody in their right mind that does. But I don't mind spending uh, 30 minutes a day keeping my Twitter entries going. So my goal is to get any kind of marketing like that down to an hour, hour and a half a day, uh, tops. In fact, uh, it's working pretty well. I just went down to the Albuquerque International Balloon Fiesta last week with my wife, and we spent four days totally unhooked from the computer. And you know what? <laughs> Nothing changed. I was still getting followers on Twitter and Facebook, and my books were still selling, so I was a happy camper. Shouldn't be any complaints there, should there? No complaints there. Do you hear from your readers very much, and what do they want to know about Kendall Hansen? Most of the input that I've gotten so far has been very positive. One of the things I'm planning to do next year is to branch out into uh, cozy mysteries. Now, I live in Kingston, Washington, and so I thought I'd do a series called The Kingsport uh, Cozy. And I thought I'd make a good mystery series besides all my friends in town are bugging me to do this. So I'm going to be doing both westerns and mysteries next year. Folks who aren't writers can't understand that. How do you differentiate between westerns and mysteries? I think a story, a good story is a good story. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. I believe that, too. One reason I started on Westerns, I was not a big Western reader. I mean, you know, my specialties in college were Joseph Conrad and Charles Dickens. So I come from a little different background, but I kind of got interested in Westerns through Elmore Leonard. And so I started thinking, well, you know, I want to write fiction. So I think I'll start with Westerns because that's where Elmore started. Eventually, he felt like the market had dried up much and he went on to his crime fiction books but a good story is a good story I, I think that's what i learned from elmore leonard more than anything was uh, a good story is a good story so you you start with westerns and there's certainly a lot about the west i've lived out here most of my life now i just i like the people out here and i like the history uh, I, I love to travel Any, anywhere i am out here i'm home much more than i ever was in north carolina what advice would you give to a young author or somebody that says they want to be an author? Stick with it. Don't let anybody discourage you. The worst that can happen is people won't like what you write at first, but you can get better. Every book I've done is better than the next one. That's my goal. Every book can be better than the last one. I think everybody can work on that. And don't get discouraged. What you're saying is, even if you get discouraged, don't quit. Don't quit. You can't finish if you quit, and uh, even if it's awful, you did it. We want to thank you so much for being a guest on the Wild West Showdown today, and I want to give you a special invitation to come back and visit with us anytime. Well, good. Give me a call sometime. I'll talk to you later then. All you folks that want to be an author, were you listening to Kendall? Don't quit. It ain't going to get finished if you quit. And another way to look at it, you're not going to get finished unless you get started. So when are you going to send that little note to me, that little idea that you got rolling around in your head? And let me take a look at it. I sure would like to share it with the world if that's what you want to do. Send it to jc at outlawspublishing.com. That's jc at outlawspublishing.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. When I was young, if I wanted to hear some good music, I either turned the radio on or went and had a jam session with some of my friends. 
Now with this new technology, all I got to do is look on YouTube, look on Facebook. There is so much talent. This young man I discovered on Facebook. He's got a lot of original songs. This is George Posley singing his original song, $2,000 Guitar. I play all my chords on the first three frets And finger-picking one string's as good as it gets A three-chord song is the toughest for me by far So why do I need another $2,000 guitar? Eleven fine guitars never seems to be enough my wife says I'm filling up the house with my stuff. Maybe I should buy me a midlife crisis car. And why do I need another $2,000 guitar? Buying now on eBay is my weakness, I admit. I never stop to figure where the consequences fit. I get so overpowered by the urge to have something new, do, 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 It's hard to keep 11 axes sharp and exercise, and there is always just one more that I have greatly prized. My lust for more acoustics is really getting quite $2,000 guitar. I'm George Posley. Yes, I've got guitar acquisition syndrome. I'm glad I'm not the only one that likes guitars. I imagine we'll have George on again, don't you think so? Thank you, George, for that great song. I said I'd let you know when Outlaws Publishing Authors books were going to be available. Well, I want to tell you that Kenneth S. Pratt's book, Willow Falls, will be available the day after Thanksgiving. Travis McGoy's book, the Medicine Tree will also be available. And get this, the old cowboy 
has got a new book coming out. It's called The Empty Sleeve. Three brand new books the day after Thanksgiving. Write it down and remember it. Tell your friends about it. Look forward to it. It's going to be available the day after Thanksgiving. Outlaws Publishing is on a roll, folks. If you've got a manuscript, if you've got a story, if you've got an idea, you need to send it in to Outlaws Publishing and join all these great authors. Remember that email, jc at outlawspublishing.com. I want to hear from you, folks. I want to give a special thank you to George Posley for his $2,000 guitar music. And I want to give a special thank you to Kendall Hansen for being our special guest today. If you want to get in touch with these people, you can find them on Facebook. You can find them on Twitter. You can find uh, George Fosley's music on YouTube. You need to check them out, folks. There's something I want to ask you folks to help me with. What would you like to hear the old cowboy talk about? Send your ideas to jc at outlawspublishing.com. Tell me what you want to hear me talk about. Any topic about the Old West, anything about cowboys, anything about gunslingers, anything about saloons, Anything that you want me to talk about, I'll sure try to do it. It's been a while since I read any poetry to you, so I thought I'd give it a try. Do you remember all the nights in the back seat of the car? We'd sit and dream and make wishes on a star. You fit in my arms like a hand in a glove. There was no doubt about it. We were in love. We would hug and kiss and breathe real fast, and we'd tell each other how our love would last. About our future, we would make careful plans as we sat in the back seat holding hands. We'd make plans about kids, a dog, and a cat. We knew we'd always be like that. And now we're married, but not to each other. I married your sister. You married my brother. You should have seen the look on Mama's face when we'd start eating without saying grace. She'd wrap us on the head with a big old spoon. She said if we keep that up, she'd send us to the moon. So we'd put down our spoon and bow our head and wish we could hurry so we'd get fed. The things she taught will stick from now on and we'll remember even though Mama's gone. I hope you enjoyed those as much as I enjoyed writing them. You know, I I wrote poetry for a long, long time. Before writing poetry, I was writing songs, which is really nothing but a poem with music. It came so easy for me, I couldn't understand why everybody couldn't do it. And I still don't really understand how anybody can't write. Anybody can't write poetry. I was sitting in here in in my study, and my great-granddaughter, six years old, came in. And she says, Poppy, I got a story. I've written a story. And so I recorded it. And as soon as she gets it finished, I'm going to play it on this show for you. So I really feel deep within my own heart, each and every one of you has a talent, a God-given talent that you need to be using. So maybe it's not writing, but you do have a talent that God has given you. And you need to use it, folks. You need to use it. I ran across something on Facebook the other day that I want to share with you. This is what I found. I need to vent. Earlier I went to Walmart to pick some stuff up. I noticed this lady was staring at me on the same aisle I was on. No biggie. I moved to the next aisle and here she comes again, staring. So now I'm like, uh, what's going on? I finished up my shopping and headed to the checkout line. Of course this same lady was ahead of me and she starts staring again. It was an awkward situation. So I start playing with my phone so I don't have to look at her. Finally, she says, I want to apologize for staring at you, but you look so much like my daughter who just passed away. I felt really bad after that and gave her my condolences. She says, thank you, but I have a favor to ask. 
I understand if you don't want to do it. Can you give me a hug and say bye, Mama, to me? Inside I was, <laughs> I was all tore up, but, but me being the softy that I am, I went ahead and did it. I hugged her and said bye, Mama. She smiles, thanks me, and leaves. The cashier rings up my stuff, and the total comes out to be $100.87. I knew something wasn't right, because after my coupons, it should have been like $40 or so. The girl tells me that my total was included with my mom's. I'm like, what? She said, your mom said you was paying for her last few items along with your things. I told the cashier the woman was most definitely not my mom. She said, well, I saw you hug her and heard you call her mama. I flew out of the store looking for this witch, ready to beat her down. I see her loading up her car. She saw me and jumped in her car. I got to her as she was putting her leg in, and I started pulling her leg, just like I'm pulling yours. Hope you're all having a wonderful day. Isn't it amazing how a person's mind works? How somebody can write something, they can create something in their mind and put it down on paper. The young lady that wrote this is a talented young lady in my opinion, and yet I think all of us have a hidden talent someplace. Before we close out, I've got a news flash for you. I mentioned earlier that Kenneth S. Pratt's book will be available the day after Thanksgiving. Well, because of a mix-up and somebody mashing the wrong key, his book is available right now at Amazon. Take a trip over there and do a search for Kenneth S. Pratt. Willow Falls, the Bannister series number one, is his new book. Go get you a copy. Now, here's something you need to know. When you wallow with the hogs, you got to expect to get dirty. This is the old cowboy saying adios and happy trails. Come on back next week to the Wild West Showdown with the old cowboy J.C. Holsey.